Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Welcome back. It's good to see you again. Grab yourself a beverage and or a snack. Settle in. Much to get through. I hope you brought your orange jumpsuit. If you didn't, we will supply one for you. Tonight we're taking a tour of the prison of the future. edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host. Hopefully for the next hour or so, we'll see how we go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, that's okay. It doesn't matter. We're all doomed. (laughs) Going to start off the week on this show on a very uplifting note, a very positive, happy note. We're going to look at the positive world that lies before our feet. The positive, unforeseen events, the positive unforeseen circumstances that can arise from technology that changes the world. You know, technology does some tremendous things for us, and I'm not I'm not going to go all Pol Pot here on you. But obviously, you know, sometimes good things can often bring with it unforeseen bad things. Just like when human beings invented the wheel, I'm sure it was only a matter of minutes until the first human being with their foot run over by a wheel was screaming in agony. (laughs) When human beings invented fire, I'm sure it wasn't long before the first human being singeing their eyebrows off with fire took place. Sugar makes unattractive things taste attractive, but it also brings heart disease. Pain medication can help us get through the day when we have chronic illness and chronic pain, but it can also become very addictive and make us die alcohol is often referred to as the cause of and solution to all of life's problems <laughs> and big tech technology big tech allows us to communicate across boundaries and borders in ways which have never been possible ever throughout human history it allows us to have a world of information right there at our fingertips whenever we want it but it also comes bearing some negatives some manufactured and some unforeseen people often cite studies that show the more connected we become online the less connected we become in real life we're becoming more insular less community minded more depressed more outraged more susceptible to misdirection more susceptible to gentle nudging in any particular direction at any particular time. We're so hooked in. I know I've mentioned this before, but Twitter itself in the original uh, design of the software was made to mimic a poker machine. You pull down on the screen, a little wheel spins at the top of the screen, and then your notifications light up like three cherries, like you've won something. 
to release those endorphins and keep you addicted like somebody sitting in the poker machine pit in a Las Vegas casino at 3am. Just can't get up, just can't walk away, can't leave. So we're going to be exploring some of the dark underbelly tonight of Big Tech and where perhaps, arguably, we might end up in a very short space of time. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me about your poker machine addiction, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Those are, those are positives. Those are the positives of the big tech world. Those are the positives of human advancement in this area. My show. That's it. That's the only thing. <laughs> Everything else you need to set on fire and dance around it in a campfire in the middle of the night, in the middle of a, a field somewhere. That's <laughs> No, just kidding. Uh, before we get into our main topics tonight, there are a couple of things that I want to cover off. First of all, guys, guys, a lot of you guys have been sending me this video so I thought we'd do a little review. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. Guys, a couple of guys have sent me this video about guys and why it's wrong to say guys, why saying guys is a bad thing. Because we wouldn't go, guys, we wouldn't want to go way over the top here with some kind of uh, inane uh, colloquial term that's all-encompassing and really you know, non-gendered. We wouldn't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak. So, guys, I thought we'd have a look at this uh, little video here about guys and why saying guys isn't a good good idea, guys, okay? Hey, guys, welcome back hey to guys. Now This. <laughs> guys is a simple term. It simple. could mean boys, or if you're modern, hip, it means people. <laughs> at first glance, guys... <laughs> Hands up if you think uh, this person is modern and hip. <laughs> Hands up, anybody who's modern and hip. Do you think, do, do you ever refer to yourself as modern and hip? I remember back in the 90s, it, you just used to say cool. Cool was okay. You know what modern and hip makes me think of? Modern and hip makes me think of a company that is very not modern and hip, trying to look modern and hip. You know what I mean? Anybody who needs to say that they're modern and hip is not modern and hip. Hey, kids. <laughs> Hey, kids, you've got lots of dis disposable income. Why don't you head on down to the Gap and purchase yourself some modern and hip surfwear? Why don't you grab some modern and hip footwear for your night on the town? All the kids are wearing the new modern and hip threads, right? <laughs> Not very modern and hip at all. It seems inviting, friendly, maybe, maybe warm, maybe. even comedic at times. Yeah. But... It, like many male default terms, male should default not terms. be normalized as an all-encompassing phrase. Says who, though? <laughs> Says you? Says you, the modern and hip girl on the internet? <laughs> Guys, it might seem innocent. It might seem friendly, it might seem warm, it might seem welcoming, but guys, it shouldn't be normalized. Says who? <laughs> What do you mean shouldn't? Isn't it already? Isn't it already normalized? So you're not, you shouldn't say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that it shouldn't be normalized. You should say that it should be denormalized. You're trying to remove the language from our vocabulary, right? You're trying to get us to stop saying something that normal people say, hence the term normalized. You want us to become abnormal. That's okay. That's fine. Can't wait to hear this argument. 
innocent as it may seem. Innocent as it may While we may understand the word means no real harm, Mm. with a deeper look, you'll understand that we've been ignoring the cognitive (sighs) impact on women Ah. as well as gender non-conforming (laughs) folks. See, it doesn't matter if you think it's innocent. It doesn't matter even if it is innocent. What really matters is that somebody else has hyper-focused on this word. Somebody else has dove right down deep into the meaning of this word and the effect that it has on people other than you and decided that pfft, it's not, it can't be allowed anymore. Sorry, guys. We can't say it anymore. Like, I know you think it's fair. I know you think it's sweet. I think I know you think that no harm can come from this. But trust me, I spoke to someone who was really thinking about it. And they thought about it for a long time. And they decided, it's kind of offensive. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It needs to be ripped out from the lexicon. It needs to be ripped out of popular vernacular. It needs to be done away with. It needs to be thrown on the bonfire. By only explicitly addressing the male ah. identifying individual present. Male I do they even have to say, they even have to be woke in their woke videos. The male identifying individuals. <laughs> Imagine if everybody had to speak like this all the time. Nothing would ever get done. A five-minute phone conversation would turn into a 45-minute uh game of one-upsmanship of everybody trying to apply caveats to every single thing that they say. So I'm speaking to the male identifying individuals here in this paradigm and I don't want to express any kind of male gendered language because we're all inclusive here. Look, look, just say guys. Just say guys. Can we get to the point here? Can we get to the point? Johnson, why have you been on that phone call for the last hour? I'm sorry, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out how to address everybody in this phone conference. <laughs> it's not my fault, sir. I mean ma'am, I mean guy. I mean shit the hell are we doing here? (laughs) The meaning of guys has changed over time. According to the Washington Post, etymologists believe it began in the 17th century with a guy named Guy Fawkes. According to the Washington Post, so you've been told, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) You have been reliably informed. Remember, democracy dies in darkness, guys. A participant in the failed 1605 gunpowder plot. He only barely escaped a brutal oh, execution nice hat, by though. jumping off a scaffold and breaking his neck. For the next few centuries, those who likened him in fashion, appearance, or intellect mm. were referred to as guys. Guys, come on, Eventually, guys. Eventually, according to the Boston Globe, the term broadened to describe creepy people, oh. then to a generic term for men. Oh, so it was for creepy people before it was just for men. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, forgive me for pointing out something glaringly obvious, but if we take a word that was intended for creepy people and just apply it to all men, doesn't that mean that the feminists have already won? (laughs) See, we didn't have a problem. We didn't have a problem when we changed the definition of guys from creepy individuals who should be executed to just all men. That was fine, but now that we're using guys as a generic term for men and women and whoever is in the vicinity at that particular time, ah, we can't have this. (laughs) I'm not getting associated with that term. You know, it was invented for a guy who was a criminal and they called themselves guys, people who dressed like this guy. They were creepy individuals. Did you know that? I, I had no idea. The record number of fires burning across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. Oh, that's the next video. What am I doing? 
and now, some would say, a gender-neutral phrase. For decades, we have set a standard of only addressing the men in the room. Uh. Of course, we claim it's colloquial, but with our elevated knowledge and inclusive perspective, yeah. it just seems lazy, inconsiderate. Listen to this. <laughs> the the self-aggrandizement of this stuff is what gets me the most. It's these people legitimately think that they are higher beings. That they are so much more enlightened. They know better than you. L listen to this again. Knowledge and inclusive perspective. This is the, the, the arrogance of this. The narcissism of this. I'll, des I'll decide what words can and can't be used. I'll decide what language is acceptable and what's not. Because I am enlightened. I have a better understanding of inclusiveness. I have done the relevant liberal arts courses to be able to make this determination for the rest of you uneducated heathen out there. See, you peasants out there have gotten used to uh, relating to each other in a certain way. And for a long time, that was considered okay. But what we can say now here in current year, in 2019, is those of us who are uh, have a higher intelligence those of us who are more enlightened and more in tune with the feelings of others thanks to our uh, superior empathy we know that the way you peasants have been relating to each other is actually very harmful so we're here to educate you out of these bad habits don't think of it as like social justice don't think of it as like we're talking down to you think of it as education we're educating you we're teaching you how to be a better person how to not be so offensive, how to not be harmful to the non-gender conforming folks around us. So just, just take it on board or we'll ruin you. <laughs> In the room. Of course we claim it's colloquial, but with our elevated, elevated knowledge and inclusive perspective. We have elevated knowledge and inclusive perspective. Who the hell, you know, voted for these people? Where did you come from? What 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 rock did you crawl out of with a university badge on the front of it to declare yourself you know the truth sayer to declare yourself the high the being of higher intelligence and higher empathy and more inclusive perspectives what does that even mean an inclusive perspective can you tell me I have no idea what that means perspective it just seems lazy. Inconsiderate, inconsiderate and a small part of what reinforces the gender hierarchy today. Yes, that gender hierarchy which allows uh, young women with that nobody knows to uh, get on the internet and lecture the rest of society about which words they should and shouldn't use. Yes, that gender hierarchy. The men are really keeping you out of this space, aren't they, darling? They're really... Am I allowed to say darling? Sorry, guy. Sorry, guy. How is one to feel empowered to speak or assert themselves when... Uh, how about making a video? <laughs> how is one supposed to feel empowered if one is being referred to as a guy? How is one supposed to feel empowered in this society when people go around saying things like guys, not realizing how it perpetuates the gender hierarchy? <laughs> Upon greeting, they're misgendered or even ignored, ignored. in language. Yep. Can we be surprised that ignored for decades women language. often felt uncomfortable asserting their voice when we didn't even take the time to properly acknowledge them? Uh, you know what? Maybe that's the answer to all this. Maybe if people really 
fear being ignored by gendered language. Maybe the solution to this is to genuinely ignore people who talk about gendered language. I'm not advocating that anybody ignore anybody, but the way I go about it is I generally listen to people who, you know, make sense, have something interesting or are entertaining. I, I never listen to somebody because I feel like I'm forced to, because for some reason somebody has ordained them as being of a higher level of knowledge and an inclusive perspective. You know, a small subsection of society has ordained these people to be uh, the lecturers for the rest of us peasants. So I never feel compelled to listen to that. I decide. And quite frankly, if I was in a conversation with somebody and I said, hey, how you going, guys? And somebody turned around to me and said, well, you know, you should, because once upon a time that term was uh, acceptable, but now because we have uh, a higher level of understanding and inclusive perspectives in society, I think it would be um, most wise for you to consider the feelings of people in the room when you use a term like guys. I would just turn around to them and say, okay, I'm not talking to you. Go away. I, I don't want to know you. I don't want to, I don't care what you think. I don't care about your inclusive perspective or your high level of understanding. I don't even care what your name is. <laughs> I am not going to listen to another word that comes out of your mouth for the rest of your life. Deal. Deal with it. How about that? And then maybe people will stop trying to tell us what we can and can't say, what we should and should not listen to. But then again, maybe they won't. <laughs> I guess everybody needs to figure that shit out for themselves if something is worth listening to. And if you don't think this is worth listening to, the best part is I'll get comments now of people saying, well, you're crap. You don't know what you're talking about. Why am I listening to this? And I would say exactly. Why are you listening to this? You can go. You can ignore me for the rest of your life. You don't have to believe a word I say. You don't have to take anything I say as important or relevant or insightful or entertaining in any way. Whether you're here or whether you're not here makes zero difference in my life. I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care what you like. I don't care what you dislike. <laughs> you are a completely irrelevant human being to me. Maybe nobody's ever told you that before so far up till this point in your life. Maybe everybody has always told you how important you are and how smart you are and how if you just put your mind to it, you can do anything and how everybody really enjoys your company and how you have such an inclusive perspective and a higher level of understanding and, and, and the kind of empathy that makes your girlfriends jealous when you go to the cafe, right? But you won't hear that from me. All you'll hear from me is, I don't even care if you exist or not. <laughs> Sorry. Sue me. Me and the other 6 billion plus people on earth couldn't care less who you are, what you think, or what you want. So bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome to stay, by the way. Uh, tell your friends. Here's a story for you. We've been talking about red flag laws. Some people have been endorsing red flag laws, believe it or not. But who needs red flag laws now? Feds demand Apple and Google hand over names of 10,000 plus users of a gun scope app. What could possibly go wrong? I'm sure that the feds are only trying to get the information, the personal information of people who have a gun scope app to send them a bouquet of flowers and thank them for supporting their Second Amendment rights. I'm sure that's what's going on here. 
own a rifle, got a scope to go with it, the article asks. The US government might soon know who you are, where you live, and how to reach you. That's because the government wants Apple and Google to hand over names, phone numbers, and other identifying data of at least 10,000 users of a single gun scope app Forbes has discovered. It's an unprecedented move. Never before has a case been disclosed in which American investigators demanded personal data of users of a single app from Apple and Google, and never has an order been made public where the feds have asked Silicon Valley giants for info on so many thousands of people in one go. According to an application for a court order filed by the Department of Justice, the DOJ, William Barr's doing such a great job, isn't he? Huh? I say God bless that William Barr. God bless William Barr. You know, that William Barr's a patriot. He supports the Second Amendment. He's a good man. I'll tell you what. Ding! An application for a court order filed by the Department of Justice on September 5th Investigators want information on users of Obsidian 4, a tool used to control rifle scopes made by night vision specialist American Technologies Network Core. The app allows gun owners to get a live stream, take video and calibrate their gun scope from an Android or iPhone device. Oh no. Oh no. Because you remember, ladies and gentlemen, in the aftermath of the Christchurch shooting, what was the main target of government outrage around the Western world? Do you remember? It wasn't even firearms. <laughs> it wasn't anger. It wasn't anti-immigrant sentiment. No, no. The real culprit here was the internet. It was live streaming, right? And shit, an app that helps uh, sporting shooters calibrate their sights on their rifles might be used for nefarious things. So it has to go. And, you know, a little bit of intimidation of these companies by the DOJ. I tell you, William Barr, he's a patriot. A little bit of in uh, intimidation in these companies to hand over, hand over fist the personal information of the users of this app, well, what, what, if it keeps people safe, how could you possibly be against it? How could you possibly be against it? If the court approves the demand and Apple and Google decide to hand over the information, it could include data on thousands of people who have nothing to do with the crimes being investigated. Privacy activists warned. Eden Omanovich, pardon me, lead on Privacy International State Surveillance Program said it would set a dangerous precedent and scoop up huge amounts of innocent people's personal data. But who's really innocent in this day and age, right? Who's really innocent? I mean, everybody's a guilty person waiting to happen, especially you Second Amendment folks. Especially you white Christian Second Amendment nationalist types. Well, you're, you're, you're just one Donald Trump rally away from committing acts of terror, from what I've read. <laughs> of course. It's good to see William Barr and the DOJ. He's a patriot. I tell you what, getting on the front foot here. Pre-crime, baby. This one was sent through to the Discord by Kim Jong-un. US unleashes military to fight fake news and disinformation. Do you see how they're coming at us from all angles? I want you to consider this for a minute. We've spoken on this show before about the protection meme, okay? Everything that's being done in terms of ratcheting up censorship, in terms of ratcheting up quote-unquote security online, is being sold as being done for your benefit, to keep you safe, to protect you. 
you need to be protected from fake news. And who better to do that than the Department of Defense? You see, on the one hand, on one side of the political spectrum, ladies and gentlemen, you have people who want to use things like hate speech, uh, offense, uh, gendered language, for example, right? They want to use excuses like that to regulate the internet, to regulate you out of existence. And on the other side, on the other side of the political spectrum, you've got the law and order party who wants to use uh, security and protection as the way to regulate the internet. We are being squeezed from both sides of the aisle ever so slowly. Just a little crank here and a little crank there. Here a crank, there a crank, everywhere a crank, crank. It's almost as though a, a, a virtual prison is being constructed around us so they don't have to haul us in there. They don't have to pick us up and throw us in the virtual prison. They're just going to build it around us and we're going to celebrate every wall that goes up. Yay! It's for my protection. So if they can get the people on the right side cheering for their own protection, cheering to have the Department of Defense and the feds monitor the internet and regulate the internet from one side for your protection against, you know, terrorist threats or whatever it is. Security, guys. Law and order. Got to catch those crooks. So you cheer one wall, and on the other side, they'll cheer the other wall of censorship. Hey, we've got to get rid of this hate speech. We've got to get rid of this gendered language. It's very offensive. It's causing harm, ladies and gentlemen. Next thing you know, both sides have only cheered one wall. They're only looking in one direction, and we're surrounded. Next thing you know, we're in the prison. How the hell did that happen? Wait, you guys were building a wall over there? I didn't know you were building a wall. We were building a wall over here. To keep them out from that side. I didn't know you were building one there. How do we get out of this? I guess we should have thought of that. Fake news and social media posts are a threat to US security. Ladies and gentlemen, that the Department of Defense, uh, the Defense Department is launching a project to repel, quote, large-scale automated disinformation attacks. Well, on the upside, I guess CNN is out of business. <laughs> As the top Republican in Congress blocks efforts to protect the integrity of elections, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency wants custom software that can unearth fakes hidden among more than 500,000 stories, photos, video, and audio clips. If successful, the system, after four years of trials, may expand to detect malicious intent and prevent viral fake news from polarizing society. Uh, U.S. officials have been working on plans to prevent outside hackers from flooding social channels with false information ahead of the 2020 election. The drive has been hindered by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell <laughs> in his refusal to consider election security legislation. Critics have labelled him Moscow Mitch, saying he left the U.S. vulnerable to meddling by Russia, Russia, prompting his retort of modern-day McCarthyism. President Donald Trump has repeatedly rejected allegations that dubious content on platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Google aided his election win. Hillary Clinton supporters claimed a flood of fake items may have helped sway the results in 2016. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my comrade on Trust and Verify, James, has been speaking about uh, Robert Epstein, Dr. Robert Epstein, who gave uh, a speech in front of the Senate and was questioned by uh, uh, Senator Cruz not that long ago. We played a bit of the video 
on this show, I think in the episode called Don't Be Evil. So if you go back in the archive and look for Don't Be Evil, you should find it there, I think. It's probably about a month ago we went over this. And the kind of techniques that Google are using to present a certain view of the world. (coughs) And thanks to uh, whistleblowers unearthed by Project Veritas, we know that it's actually company policy. And again, uh, I think General Eaton's in the chat. General will be able to help me with the specific term that they use for presenting an unreal, a fantastical image of the world in exchange for the actual reality because they want to manifest the kind of reality that they show in Google search results. Uh, Algorithmic unfairness, I think it's called. Algorithmic unfairness. So the example given in uh, in the interview on Project Veritas was if you put in CEO, even though, you know, upwards of 75, 80% of CEOs are men, you will only get pictures of CEO women. Because to present the reality that most men are CEOs in the search engine would be a kind of algorithmic unfairness. You see, reality, ladies and gentlemen, can be hurtful. Reality can be harmful. Facts are sexist. So we need to change the facts in order to change the world. That's the view. That's literally the view of the biggest company in the history of mankind. We need to represent facts a certain way so we can make the world what we want it to be. Now, that enough, that enough, that view enough should be enough to get people out of their chair and going, what the hell is going on here? But it doesn't. It doesn't. Most people don't care. Most people don't think about it. The Senate certainly doesn't care. Are you telling me, excuse me, uh, Mr. Uh, Pravram, Pravram, Jahe, I'm sorry, I have a lot of trouble with these uh, continental names. Are you telling me that if I jump on the Google machine, uh, that somebody in the office there is going to be uh, manipulating my results so that I can't get uh, the latest Republican tax reform, which is helping middle class families across the United States? Well, no, we actually don't have anybody doing it. It's part of the algorithm. It's part of the um, AI learning. So it, it, it automatically adjusts itself. The system kicks in due to our policy of algorithmic unfairness. Oh, okay, so good. So there is no single person sitting in an office somewhere manipulating my results. Okay, so there's your headline. <laughs> there's your headline. Washington Post, everything is a right-wing conspiracy theory. <laughs> There is no little man in the office of Google changing the results. Solved it. We have debunked another conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen. Here's here's one from CNN a while ago. This was shared a while ago. And you know if it's getting reported on CNN, it must be a hell of a lot worse, more worse than what they're describing here in this Are clip. we alone? According to Bloomberg, when you talk to your Amazon Echo smart speaker, a global gaggle of Amazon workers is actually listening in and taking notes. Seriously. CNN's Alison Kosick is here. <laughs> Alison. See the framing already? Can you see the framing already? Instead of the story being about these devices having their mic permanently on even when you switch them off, which is an invasion of your privacy. It would be like somebody hanging on the phone listening to your entire conversation even after you hang up. Imagine back in the 70s, you know the old Bakelite phones? Bang! You know, the big heavy fuckers? 
imagine if a scandal came out in the seventies from Baker, from uh, the makers, the manufacturers of these phones, where it was discovered after you hang the phone up, the person on the other end can continue listening, can continue to hear what you're saying in your kitchen after you hang up the phone. Can you imagine the 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 mountains of caca that would have fallen on the heads of the people making these phones? But now we have devices that we invite into our homes and the people admit, yes, even when you turn it off, we can still, the mic still works. It still picks up. Even when you're not asking Alexa for a specific task, even when you're not asking your Google Home thing to turn the music on or turn the lights off, it's still listening to everything. And people are like, <laughs> well, <laughs> to suggest that there are thousands of people listening to everybody's intimate conversations, I mean, real? That's crazy, right? <laughs> Wacky conspiracy theorists. So the framing of it is already that the premise, they're using a straw man premise here, right? In order to divert your attention away from the real story, which is the invasion of privacy onto, you know, those crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists out there talking about crazy things like people listening. Are you saying that there's a man uh, in the Google machine who is changing my search results, sir? No, that's not what I'm saying. Oh, good. We We debunked another conspiracy theory today. Job done. I will collect my paycheck. Go, God bless America. <laughs> what are these people doing? You sound surprised. Why are you surprised? This is kind of confirming. This was everyone's fear, I'll tell you. It, it, it has been everybody's fear. According to Bloomberg, it's not just Alexa listening to you. Thousands of Amazon employees are listening to voice recordings captured from Echo devices. Why? Well, to help it improve Alexa's understanding of human speech and to help it better respond to commands. It shows... <laughs> why we're helping you ladies and gentlemen we're helping you like i said in the intro human beings invented the wheel and it was a tremendous day for mankind and you can't even say man what are you supposed to say now humankind isn't that the term guys so it was a tremendous day for mankind when human beings invented the wheel hey now we can move all of this shit around without dragging it and getting our carcasses dirty on the way back to the cave but shortly after the wheel was invented, I'm pretty sure the first broken foot, thanks to somebody not putting the park brake on the trolley, <laughs> I'm sure that took place as well. And I bet you the person who broke their foot when the wheel rolled over it turned to the other people who were using the wheel and said, we need to get rid of all of the wheels. We can, Look how dangerous this is. Anybody at any time, what if there was a little baby sitting there who got rolled over and crushed by the wheel? We need to get away, do away with the wheels. They're too dangerous. I'm sure that happened in caveman speech, of course. So it would have been like, or something along those lines. I don't speak liberal. Uh, No. (laughs) Yes, but these things are always gift wrapped to be for your benefit. Like, sure, DARPA is developing software to uh, detect quote-unquote fake news as we determine it here at the government. Here at the government, we don't want you engaging in any kind of fake news. Here at the government, we only want to give you 100% truthful information at all times. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, here in 2019, a lot of bad things have been written about the NSA and the CIA, but we're here to tell you at the CIA, we're your friend. The NSA and the Department of Defense and DARPA, we're your friends. We're from the government and we're here to help. 
We only want to give you the best possible information. We only want to give you complete and utter transparency. That's why we here at the government are figuring out new software to scour the internet, scour your social media posts, and delete things that we deem to be, quote-unquote, fake news. We're doing it for your benefit, to protect you. We're protecting you from disinformation. Humans, they still have to train the robots. So who are these workers? It's a mix of contractors and full-time Amazon employees working around... Contractors, great. Great. Contractors brought in. Third-party contractors brought in from outside the company. Excuse me, can you... I'm sorry, third-party contractor. Would you mind uh, listening to our customers in their intimate conversations in their home in order to track their speech patterns and figure out how best to com- how best to get our software to communicate you know when we get into ai machine learning and stuff in order to predict human behavior would you be able to map and track and uh, take down how the humans are relating to each other yes i can do that thank you thank you mr contractor thank you unknown contractor from the government <laughs> what could possibly go wrong This report came out a couple of days ago on the BBC because this stuff is starting to get ramped up in the news. More and more people are talking about the invasion of privacy that's taking place. So the BBC, um, people who have been watching this show for a while, do you remember the video that we did where the BBC was promoting getting microchipped? Do you remember that? They had the presenter, I swear to God, I shit you not, they had a presenter from the BBC saying, hey, it doesn't even hurt, it's great. And now I can walk into this office and swipe my hand in front of the door and the door opens. I can swipe my hand in front of the photocopier and it starts printing out paper. Everybody should get a microchip. It's fantastic. It doesn't even really hurt that much, guys. It's great. (laughs) So we did that video for the BBC. So the BBC uh, went into damage control to put out this study, apparently to report on this quote-unquote study on cybersecurity about whether or not our phones and uh, in-home devices are listening to it. You're going to love this. Yes, I'll talk to a friend about trainers. BBC, And we're talking about the design of the trainers and the name of the brand of trainers. And I went onto my feed, uh, my Instagram, and within five, ten minutes, it was one of the adverts that popped up on there. It seems everyone's got a story like this. Strange instances that make us ask, are our phones and apps listening to our conversations? I'm sure there is someone who is listening right now, even right now. For years though, the big tech companies have denied this is happening. Uh, Yes or no, does Facebook use audio obtained from mobile devices to enrich personal information about its users? No. Absolutely Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, Mark Zuckerberg, under oath, hereby declare that Facebook is not mining any of your personal data for its own business purposes. (laughs) All red-eyed and shit. The cameras are right there, zoomed right into his face. Nah, not happening. Mr. Zuckerberg, is the sky blue? No, it isn't. Nope. Is water wet? Not at all. From what I understand, water is very dry. Is Facebook is Facebook uh, mining people's personal data to on-sell to third-party entities in order to make money for their business plans? Nah, nah. Where did you where, where, where did you even get a question like that? Exactly, General Eaton. How dare they ask Mark that? <laughs> Don't you know who I am? 
I'm Mark Zuckerberg. But now a cybersecurity company has carried out a thorough scientific study to look into it. Okay. Now, <laughs> I know uh, in this audience, because you've told me, we have a few people who work in the scientific community in various uh, disciplines. You know, we have we have engineers, we have research scientists and stuff who watch this show. I don't know why. Maybe this is the equivalent for you of watching the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm not sure. If somebody of an average intelligence uh, watches, say, uh, professional wrestling, then people of higher intelligence watch this because it's like the Kardashians to them. It's just a, it's just an hour of trashy TV to chill out and not worry about what's going on in the world. And I'm just going to watch this idiot ramble on about stuff for an hour. I've got to switch off, man. So I don't know why you're here, but... Since you are here, uh, I want I want to draw your attention to this, what these people are calling a scientific study, a thorough, a thorough scientific investigation, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a look at how thorough this investigation is. Mobile security experts at Wondera took four phones, two identical Samsung <laughs> Androids and two identical iPhones, all with major apps like Facebook Open. <laughs> now... I'm not sure how many billions of smartphone devices are on the market, but we used four <laughs> in this thorough, in this thorough scientific experiment, in this thorough scientific study. We covered we covered a grand total of not one, not two, not three, but four phones, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we researched four individual phones, actually two individual phones. Because two of them are the same as the other two. Two identical uh, Samsungs and two identical iPhones. Four phones. Yep. Very thorough. <laughs> they kept two in silence. The other two were played a series of pet food adverts at the same time over three days. They didn't record any related advertising and no technical evidence of listening. There you go. Solved. Debunked. So are you saying that when you play uh, the dog food commercial to my phone that you didn't detect any uptick in back uh, backdoor background activity? Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, yes, Senator, that's what I'm saying. Well, good. It looks like we have debunked another right-wing conspiracy theory here today. I'd like to thank the members of the press and the BBC for covering, for doing such a thorough scientific investigation. Just look at the data phones use when voice assistants like Siri and Google are activated. Compare that to the tiny amounts of data used when the apps are idle. Ah. Hiding any meaningful transfer of data mm. would be impossible. Impossible. Research, I think, were pretty conclusive that none very of these conclusive. companies are actually... Our, our two phones, we did a, it was a very conclusive study. And after studying these two individual phones for a few hours, we decided, hey, it's a conspiracy theory. Nothing to see here. Go back to bed, guys. Listening in surreptitiously to our conversations and then using that to target ads at us. Mm. Um, there was some background um, oh, activity on these devices. Was it really? It's usually location updates oh. and various other kind of uh, data that's being sent to <laughs> servers. So don't worry. See, so look, don't worry. We were... Don't worry. Our conclusive, uh, thorough scientific investigation, we came to the conclusion that uh, 
after pay, after playing pet food commercials to your iPhone for a few hours that it was not sending information about pet food to the servers. It was only tracking your location. <laughs> so don't worry, guys. It wasn't it wasn't sending anything personal. It was just telling the servers of the companies your whereabouts at what time and what you were doing. So don't worry about it, okay? Can we put all these conspiracy theories to bed to now, please? Can we do that? Like, don't panic. There's nothing bad going on at all. It's fine. ...to these companies. So as the CEO of a cybersecurity firm, you're prepared to put your neck on the line and say they're not... Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, put my, I would put my name to it, but obviously, you yeah. know, if they're <laughs> doing something that we haven't in our research study. covered, then it is possible. Yep. I think it's very unlikely that... Okay. The results won't surprise those who study phone security. Here we go. And I went onto my feed on my Instagram... They may calm some of the conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy the theorists. It's perhaps just as troubling. Uh, the ads that you see, they, they don't only, they, they come through a variety of information that has been accumulated about you over <sighs> a long period of time. There are rapid advancements in machine learning technologies where we can now predict what you are interested in. Wow. See, it's not that bad. Guys, exactly. Phew, what a relief, Jennifer Breeze in the chat. So let me tell you, it's not that bad. They're not listening to the pet food commercials and sending the audio back to Facebook or uh, Twitter and having people listen to it. No, it's not that bad at all. What's actually happening is over the course of a certain amount of time, all of your metadata is being tracked and collated and stored and archived in order to allow certain individuals, companies, and hopefully if the Department of Justice gets their way, you know, your personal name and everything to go along with it. So what they have been doing is creating a digital representation of you. With the amount of information that we have online these days, bank accounts and stuff is only the start. Once upon a time, private investigators used to have to rummage through your trash in order to make some kind of psychological profile on the type of person that they're following, the type of person they're investigating, right? They would go through their trash and see how much money they spend on alcohol, for example, if they're a smoker or not, if they're healthy based on the food packets that they throw it out, right? Where they work, you might get an indication of that. You can see how many, how, what their bills are because people just throw their bills out. They don't shred them. Right? You can get all of this information by rummaging through uh, a person's garbage once upon a time. Now we don't even have to do that. Now all of that data is collected and archived and stored. Now we can just go in and find out exactly the kind of person that we're dealing with. And you heard here from the guy who's trying to put your mind at ease, mind you. The guy who's trying to put your mind at ease is saying that, Rapid advancements in AI learning technology means that we can now predict what you're going to want in the future. And if you want to talk about what James was talking about with in regards to Dr. Robert Epstein, algorithmic unfairness and Google presenting certain kinds of information for you and withholding certain kinds of information... If they can predict what you're going to do in the future in regards to your spending habits, do you think that they would be able to predict how you might feel about a particular topic or a particular policy if it's presented a certain way in the press? Do you think, do you think they haven't already figured that out? 
Where, what do you think drives the outrage culture? What do you think drives the outrage cycle? A certain amount of people say, well, it's just for clicks, right? It's just for clicks. Another type of individual might say that certain issues are presented in certain ways to have the public clamoring for a solution that is presented at a certain time. Like say, for example, one of the earlier articles we did today with the Department of Justice um, asking Apple and Google for the private information of people who download a gun app. Tens of thousands of people. So you might say, well, who cares? This is really all about making life more convenient for me, right? This is all about making my life more convenient so shit just works the way it's supposed to. And the government, sure, the government and private companies and corporations, international corporations, who are simultaneously making us more depressed and more detached, uh, sure, they only want what's best for me. They want to provide me with the best possible products. They want to make my life more convenient and the government makes wants me uh, to be safer. They're going to protect me by monitoring the social media world through entities like DARPA, for example, right? So it's only a good thing. I came across this ad. It's only got 365 views. The future of aviation with digital ID, ladies and gentlemen. Long-time listeners to this show will remember a show we did a couple of years ago about microchips. And I said, we were we were discussing what would be the best way to bring in a microchip situation, but you can't just introduce it and force people to take it because then people won't want it. What you have to do is make people want it, right? You have to make people build their own prison and lock the door behind them, lock themselves in the cell for their own protection. So how do you get people to take the chip whilst thinking it's in their interest to do so? I said the way that they'll probably introduce it, and this was just a theory, I thought, what about like criminals and sex offenders on parole? Because who could be against that? Who could possibly be against that? So just say a government entity comes out and says, look, we're going to start microchipping uh, sex offenders when they get released from prison so we can track their whereabouts. And everybody else in the community will go, well, that's a great idea because we need to know where all these predators are at any given time, right? And then it might be people who are released from prison for violent offences, armed robbers and whatnot. Tell you what, uh, we're going to track them too just to put your mind at ease because we need to know where they are at all time because they might re-offend. And everybody else will go, well, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Then, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the era of terrorism, in the era of security, you know, we've already become accustomed to uh, TSA officials and other security staff groping us when we try to get on an airplane, right? So we're used to that. What if all of the airplane companies, what if all of the airlines came out and said, well, we're going to start introducing cybersecurity for your benefit because we can't have unknown, anonymous, potentially dangerous people getting on planes. But don't worry, it's going to be optional. So you can still use your passport, but if you want to be sure that you're safe, well, we recommend a microchip or some other kind of security measure be introduced into airline travel. And they'll say it's optional because they'll say, hey, you don't have to have a microchip, but if you want to get on a plane, you're going to have to have a microchip because, I mean, this old flimsy passport here with this paper, anybody can forge one of these. Anybody can forge one of these. It's the same argument they're using with cash right now. Are you aware of that? 
to drive us into a cashless society? Hey, this, this paper money here, this is too easily forged. Think about your protection here. Think about your security. You have a right to know that the money you're using is legal. So, you know, I think we should move to a digital currency for your protection. So this was about two years ago we were having this conversation about eventually airline security will be the first port of call for the average citizen to accept uh, the next wave of digital suppression. Here it is. Airports are more congested than ever. To make your travel experience smooth, NEC created Digital ID, a digital biometric solution. Uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm almost envious of the way this is written because this is grade A. This is the kind of stuff that would make Goebbels stand up and clap. Stand up and clap. You know, airport, you, you start off with a negative, right? You start off with an inconvenience and then straight away, bang, you hit them with the solution. You know, airports are now more congested than ever. And because everybody recognizes that everybody's had to stand in a line at an airport. Everybody's had to wait to get on the plane. Everybody's had to wait to get through security. Nobody likes waiting in lines. Nobody. So you come up with a universal inconvenience as the problem. That's the premise for the video. So we already got you on our side. Hey, we're just like you. We don't like standing in line. We don't like congestion at airports. Don't worry. We're here to fix it for you. Now watch it again. Now that you know that, watch it again. Airports are more congested than ever. To make your travel experience smooth, NEC created Digital ID, a digital biometric solution that simplifies your journey using the world's most advanced face recognition technology. Start by registering. It simplifies your journey by using a series of security measures which involves you uploading your face to a cloud and then having it scanned at an airport in order to let you travel from point A to point B. It's called digital biometrics, but we like to call it solution to modern problems. <laughs> we like to call it the antidote to inconvenience at the airport. Other people might call it invasive digital biometric oppression, but we here call it the future. Your digital identity on your mobile device using a three-factor authentication process. We've already been normalized to upload our picture to our mobile device. Our phones now unlock by looking at them. If you want access to your phone, upload your face. It's not that hard. It's not that much of a problem. It's a, it's a convenience. You don't have to type in a password anymore. We're doing this for your benefit. With your user ID, password, and face recognition. From this point on, your face will be your digital identity. Yeah. <laughs> hey? From this point on, your face will be your digital identity. What could possibly go wrong? Mind you, at the same time, every second news article that comes out now is about talking about deep fakes. In fact, <laughs> speaking of deep fakes, not to change the subject or anything, <clears throat> in a totally unrelated topic, <clears throat> Pardon me. Chinese deepfake, the deepfake app Vow goes viral. Privacy of millions at risk. 
China is having its own face app privacy storm. You'll need to ignore the irony for a moment as the Zhao face swapping app has become an overnight sensation. Zhao enables users to upload images and then its AI engine swaps their faces with those of celebrities in a wide selection of different video clips. Don't you think it's a little strange? Don't you think it's a little curious? At the same time, we're talking about deep fakes. And people are being, you know, made into digital representations, doing things that they would never normally do. Deep fakes are being created. At the same time, we're being bombarded with the news about deep fake. Uh, the corporate cybersecurity and the corporate security industry is trying to get us to use our face as our digital passport. Does anybody else find that a little curious? I mean, I would have thought now would be the worst time, the worst possible time to promote uh, using your face as a digital key to unlock travel and other benefits of living in a free world at the same time when face apps and uh, deep fakes are running rampant on the internet. I, I would have thought that that would be the worst time to do it. Wouldn't you? Incidentally, uh, down here in Australia, just before we get back to our little video here, Human rights groups sound alarm on government's facial recognition laws. Australia's two leading human rights groups, a little Australia update for you, have called on the parliament to scrap the government's planned facial recognition laws, arguing the proposed scheme is more draconian than a similar UK system which was found to be highly inaccurate and likely to break human rights laws. The Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security, remember it's for your security, is currently reviewing two bills which would create a national database of Australian citizens' faces and hand authorities new surveillance powers, including an expanded use of facial recognition technology. The government agent re uh, agency responsible, the Department of Home Affairs, has previously argued the scheme is currently not intended for mass surveillance. <laughs> We're not doing it for surveillance, so can you just calm down? We just want to have everybody's online data matched to their face. We just want to have everybody's face on record and put it right next to their metadata, which we've collected from their online activities over the past five years. We just want to put a face to the name. Don't worry. And we also want to use your face as your new digital passport when you go through security at the airport. Oh, and by the way, deep fakes. Be careful of that. Be careful. I think there was something about deep fakes going around. You should worry. Be careful about that. Right? Totally unrelated. The Identity Matching Services Bill 2019 and the Australian Passports Amendment Bill 2019 lapsed at the conclusion of the last parliament, but were quickly reintroduced unchanged when the coalition government was returned to power. Wanting to match your... Uh, your face to the digital online perception, the digital representation of yourself collected through digital biometric software. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? So back to the company that wants to use your face as your key, your key card in order to get on and off planes. Your digital identity on your mobile device using a three-factor authentication process with your user ID, password, and face recognition. Wow. From this point on, your face will be your digital identity. Then, yep. search for and book a flight. It's just that easy. When the time to travel comes, check in for your flight at home using face recognition. Yeah. 
Once you reach the airport, scan your face at the baggage drop kiosk to confirm your identity. <laughs> scan your face on your phone, and then when you get to the airport, scan your face so we know it's actually you getting on the plane. And don't worry, the government doesn't want to um, put your face alongside any kind of other digital information that they might have about you at any particular time. Nobody's trying to stop you from flying, guys. Come on. This is for your protection. It's called security, guys. Tag your bags and pay for overweight luggage. And don't worry, deep fakes. I'm sure that's just some kind of conspiracy theory. Place your carry-on bag on the x-ray conveyor belt <laughs> and identify yourself with a face scan at the security checkpoint. You've now had to scan your face three times, by the way, to get it to this point in the process. Scan it once on your phone, scan it once when you check in your bags, and scan it again when you go through security. Then, quickly clear immigration as face recognition checks your identity against a government database for fast, accurate, secure processing. <laughs> Didn't long-term listeners of this show will know this is pretty much exactly what we said was going to go down two years ago on this very show. Don't worry. You'll just walk through security. It's very, yes, very simple. It's very simple. It's very convenient. You'll just walk through security and the facial recognition software will run your details against a government database. <laughs> For, for you've got to do the voice against a government database for fast, accurate, and secure processing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Inside the terminal, simply scan your face to pay for your purchases at the duty free shop. You've got to get the duty free shop ad in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had certain misgivings about scanning my face into my phone and having that data uploaded to a government database, which would be matched against me when I enter the airport and go through security. But then I went to the duty-free shop, and when I purchased my alcohol and tobacco, I was in and out quick as a flash. Hey, do you want a Subway sandwich? Absolutely. Put your face here. Wow, I didn't know it was so convenient. I didn't even have to reach into my wallet. <laughs> I didn't even have to get cash out. Why, I just put my face up right up against the cash register and boom, I had a sandwich. It's so convenient. There wasn't even a line because everybody's in and out because the camera is taking record of their face and charging their bank account because the bank accounts are linked to your online data, which is linked to your new online digital identity. Thank you, corporate, uh, thank you, corporate world. Thank you, big tech, for making my life so damn convenient. And to enter the VIP lounge with a warm welcome. Ah. Enter. So they'll know my name when I go in the VIP lounge because I've already scanned my face and already been given the all clear as my details go through a government database. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the social media credit ranking system, which is being rolled out in China. So... Whilst all, of the, while, whilst all of your online information is being archived and gathered and put into government databases, I, I repeat again, if you missed the start of the show, please go back and watch it. The DOJ and DARPA are now wanting your data. 
They want your data because that William Barr is such a patriot. They want your data. They want your face to go against the data. Hey, but don't worry about China and the social media ranking system where if you are a naughty little comrade, if you say things which are most unbecoming to the Chinese government where you're not allowed to travel anymore or you can't get a job, you know, because your attitude, we don't want your attitude here at the government-run company that you're trying to get employment from. You ha- you have a problem with authority. So sorry about that. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think the protesters in Kong... I know this doesn't get reported a lot. Do you know what the Hong Kong protesters are doing more than anything else? They're ripping down facial recognition cameras. Why? Why do you think they're doing that? Is it because they got up on the wrong side of bed and they're having a bad hair day? Do you think it's because they got a zit on their on their chin and they don't want the camera to take a photo of them not at their best? Why do you think they might be doing that? And why do you think that that's not being reported? Interesting, huh? But don't worry. When you go through the duty-free shop and you get that bottle of whiskey to take home for your friends and family and you can talk about what a great trip you had coming through security with no lines, all will be forgiven. All will be forgiven. Board your flight at a walking pace as a facial scan confirms your identity at the gate. Upon reaching your destination, quickly clear immigration once again. Oh, it's just so good. With a quick face scan and be on your way. Just be on your way. Digital ID also enhances airport security. Yes, it's for your security, guys. It's for your protection. It enhances airport security. (laughs) Uh, Remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what say that the DOJ does get Apple to release the details of people who use a gun app? Tens of thousands of people have downloaded this gun app, which helps them... uh, calibrate the sights on their rifles what happens when the doj gets that information about people what what would happen if we were living in a world where your face and your personal information online was being archived in a government department and then when you went to get on a plane or go from one country to another or just travel from state to state that you had to get your face scanned and that face scan thanks to upgrades in ai learning technology and digital uh that that face scan information goes back to the government database. You want to talk about red flag laws, ladies and gentlemen? Do you want to talk about red flag laws? So what happens when you are identified as somebody who uses a particular app who might have particular views about the government or, say, globalism, for example? Maybe you've got a particular view on the economy. Maybe you're into like a whole bunch of those prepper pages. Maybe you follow a bunch of those prepper accounts on Facebook. Don't worry, the government needs to know. For your protection. For your protection, of course. Hey, did you download that uh, that rifle app in 2018? Don't worry, we've got it on record. So here you are, an innocent citizen who has committed no crime. Next thing you know, in the very near future, you'll be walking through an airport, your face will get scanned, and instantaneously somebody somewhere is going to know that you are a guy who follows prepper pages on Facebook, who downloaded a rifle app and has views against immigration. Oh dear. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, Mr. Bumper. Um, would you mind stepping this way for a moment? I'm just getting on my flight. Yes, yes. We, we only want to talk to you for a second. We just want to talk to you for a minute. 
Ladies and gentlemen, they're already checking the social media posts of people trying to enter the United States and other countries and denying them visas based on what their friends say on Facebook. We did that story last week. The Harvard University uh, invitee, a guy who applied to go to Harvard, got accepted, tried to get off the plane in the United States. Immigration pulled him into a side office and said, I'm sorry, but some of your friends have very anti-American views. Why are you following them? He was denied a visa. Wouldn't it be so much more convenient and so much better for our, you know, our well-being and our security if we could just do all of this automatically? Think of the time you'll save at the duty-free shop. Think of how much time you'll save going through immigration. Why, nobody likes standing in lines. Nobody likes standing in lines. This is for your convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And while some people cheer what's coming, like I said, the walls are being constructed on both sides of the aisle. On the one hand, you've got offensive speech and offensive ideas and offensive opinions that must be expunged from the public space because of the harm that they may cause. Not to mention conspiracy theories and fake news. Why, if you suggest something like some kind of Orwellian dystopian future where everybody's face is going to be run through a government database, you might be expunged from the internet for promoting a conspiracy theory. And hey, it doesn't even matter if you're showing a commercial from a company which is trying to sell this very technology to governments around the world. That doesn't matter. Who said that real information couldn't be harmful? I mean... We sh- on Trust to Verify, myself and my comrade James R., we showed the video where they were talking about Kamala Harris being uh, half Jamaican and half Indian, and they said that was disinformation. They said that that's wrong. It's a lie, right? Even though it's true. So on the one hand, you've got government regulation and censorship coming in from that end. On the other side, security. Because those patriots down at the DOJ, ladies and gentlemen, don't read too much into it that they want the personal information and personal data of people who downloaded specific gun apps relating to live streaming. Don't worry about that. It's for your safety. It's for your protection. Don't read too much into it that big tech is merging with the police state in order to put up facial recognition software to make to make your face your digital representation to go along with all of the metadata that the NSA has been collecting about you over the last 10 years. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Hey, if you haven't done anything wrong, what have you got to worry about? It's for your protection, ladies and gentlemen. And you will welcome it. You will welcome it. You will welcome the walls of the digital prison going up around you because it will make you feel safe and secure, and you'll never have to be offended ever again, and you'll never have to wait in line at the duty-free shop for as long as you live. And isn't that what we really want? There's a quote in there somewhere uh, from Ben Franklin, I think, something about trading individual liberty for security. You can look that up yourself. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, guys. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to get in touch and discuss anything that we've talked about tonight, then please do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person PLTCS for the best 15 minute data downloads on the interwebs. 
and our friends Chris Mack at ChrisMC44 for 44 Periscopes a day. Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back at 11 p.m. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Until then, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.